belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for May 30th, 2021 is called Justice and Sabbath. The speaker is John Ray and the location was Vespers Point, Mount Sequoia, and Fayetteville, Arkansas. As a young kid, you know, probably from 6 to 12 years old in there, I hated Sundays. Now, I'm old enough, those of you who are my age or close to there will remember that Sundays, growing up, there wasn't a lot going on. There was nothing on TV. We only had three channels plus PBS, and it was usually golf or bowling. <laughs> wasn't anything interesting to watch. All the stores were closed. At least in Texas, we had blue laws back then, so the stores were closed. And usually, and there was definitely no sports. I mean, there was no, there was no team sports. There was no intramural things like that to play. It was quiet. And in that quiet, I did not like it. Just as a kid, I, I wanted to go play. I wanted to do something. I wanted, I wanted something to be there. I wanted to be able to do something. And, and Sundays, you know, I, I didn't mind church so much. I didn't like the getting dressed up part. But church was okay. Sunday school was fun. And we usually went out to eat afterwards, and that was nice. But once we got home, after eating out after church, it was just like, waiting until school started Monday morning. It was just this quiet thing with that. And as a kid, that was really hard for me to deal with. I just I just didn't like it. And in a way, that's kind of carried with me in that, is that I just don't like quiet. I'm the kind of personality where I like something going on. I like music in the background. I like people to be around. I like things going on. But there is something essential for us to learn. There is something essential that has to be done in us that can only come through quiet. That can only come through those times where all the distractions are put aside and where we can listen. See, that's what I didn't know as a kid. I didn't know that you were supposed to actually be listening for something during that Sabbath time. I was just waiting for the things to start up again. Well, we get to this part in Isaiah, in our study, where the prophet is talking about the necessity of justice, about the necessity for the people of God to be associated with, and identified as people who are given to bringing about justice. But then he throws in all these references to Sabbath along with it. And so what we come to see is there is a direct connection between Sabbath, between resting, between quiet, and our ability to do justice. That's what we're going to see as we go. So just a little bit of background. We've been working our way through the prophet Isaiah's books. And I say books because the, the scope of time that Isaiah covers is about 
150 years. It's a long scope of time. And, and most theologians divide Isaiah into three parts. They sometimes call them first Isaiah, second Isaiah, and third Isaiah. And they deal, they deal with before the destruction of the temple and the people being carried off to Babylon. And the middle deals with while the people are in exile. And now in, verse, in chapter 56, we get into the part where they are returning to Israel. This is, this is concurrent with Ezra and Nehemiah. So if you're going to read the last 10 chapters of Isaiah with this, you would, 10 or 11, you would, you would be reading about something that's concurrent with the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in your Bible with that, which is the remnant returning to the ruins of Jerusalem and being charged with rebuilding Jerusalem during that time. That's where we find. Now, we don't have time to go through and read all the chapters this morning. Just know this. Chapter 56 starts off with this clear indication that the working out of justice among the people is a way of Israel, a way of God's people in finding their own deliverance. We often are mistaken in our thought that, hey, doing justice for other people is something that we, who don't need anything, do for the poor and the oppressed. That it's something, it's something that is outside of how it directly affects us unless we choose to enter into that. Nothing could be further from the truth. We see time and time again God saying, it is your own deliverance that will happen when you provide justice for other people. I love the songs of the old spiritual that says, none of us are free until all of us are free. That's a direct reference here. None of us are free until all of us are free. None of us is free of oppression until everyone is free of oppression. None of us really understands justice until justice is done for everyone one with that. So that's chapter 56. And then we get to chapter 57. And, and there's this huge discourse about idolatry. And the prophet is reminding, hey, you know what? With that, with that giving of justice, with that freeing of oppression, you can't have it both ways. You can't do God's work while doing it these other ways. You can't worship idols and expect the blessing of God along the way. So there's a long discourse of that. And then that brings us to chapter 58. And chapter 58 is what I want to read this morning. Chapter 58 is this magnificent proclamation of what mercy and justice and fasting and offering is to look like. Now I want to give a disclaimer here. There's a common misconception in our society right now That if something has become corrupt, church, religion, faith, term Christianity, something like that, that we need to just do away with all of it. We need to just walk away wholesale from the whole thing. Granted, at times that is a very attractive offer to do that. It's easy to point out all of the things that are wrong. It's easy to give all the reasons why you just give up on the whole thing. Believe me, 
it's been very attractive to me at different times in my life. But we see that those people calling for this will have none of that. With clear eyes, they look at the systemic injustice, the oppression, the, the, all the flaws, all the things that have been done wrong, and yet still call people to repentance. Still call people to the thing that they were supposed to be doing. Still call people back to that north star, that guiding light of who God is, what God wants. And that's what we see here so eloquently in this chapter. And again, at Grace, we encourage you to read these on your own, get together with other people and study them. We don't have time just in these few minutes on Sunday morning to go into the richness and the depth of all of this. And also that in your own study, don't just trust me because I'm up front. Work this out for yourself. See if this stands up when you pray and when you discuss it and when you look at the commentaries and you read the things. But starting in Isaiah 58, shout loudly. <laughs> Don't be quiet. Yell loudly as a trumpet. Confront my people with their rebellious deeds. Confront Jacob's family with their sin. They seek after me. They seek me day after day. They want to know my requirements like a nation that does what is right and does not reject the law of God. They ask me for decrees. They want to be near to God. They lament, why don't you notice us when we fast? Why don't you pay attention when we humble ourselves? It's a basic question, right? Hey, we're doing all the right things, God. This is, this is to address to the people, to the, we'll say the, say this, to the religiously zealous, to the ones who are performing outwardly correctly. And this is response. Look, at the same time you fast, you satisfy your selfish desires, you oppress your workers. Look, your fasting is accomplished is accompanied by arguments, brawls, and fistfights. <coughs> Anybody been on Facebook or Twitter later, lately? <laughs> Seen an argument or brawl and fistfight? Do not fast as you do today, trying to make your voice heard in heaven. Is this really the kind of fasting I want? Do I want a day when people merely humble themselves, bowing their heads like a reed? and stretching out on sackcloth and ash ashes? Is that really what you call a fast? A day pleasing to the Lord? No, this is the kind of fast I want. If, you want to, if I want you to remove the sinful chains, to tear away the ropes of your burdensome yoke, to set free the oppressed, to break every burdensome yoke, I want you to share your food with the hungry, to provide shelter for the homeless, oppressed people. When you see someone naked, clothe them. Don't turn your back on... Do you turn your back on your own flesh and blood? Then your light will shine like the sunrise. Your restoration will quickly arrive. Your godly behavior will go before you, and the Lord's splendor will be your rear guard. Then you will call out, and the Lord will respond. You will cry out, and he will reply, Here I am. You must remove the burdensome yoke from among you and stop pointing fingers and speaking sinfully. You must actively help the hungry and feed the oppressed. Then your light will dispel the darkness, and your darkness will be transformed into noonday. The Lord will continually lead you. He will feed you even in the parched regions. He will give you renewed strength, and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring that continually produces water. Your perpetual ruins will be rebuilt. You will reestablish the ancient foundations. You will be called those who repair broken walls, the ones who make the streets inhabitable again. 
Now, this is really interesting, right? You get this whole list of things, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, providing shelter to the homeless. Very actionable stuff, very stuff that they were like, okay, we got our agenda. We got our marching order. Let's make our list, right? Feed, clothe, shelter. We got it. And then, but listen to what the prophet says next. You must observe the Sabbath. Rather than doing anything you please on my holy day, you must look forward to the Sabbath and treat the Lord's holy day with respect. You must treat it with respect by refraining from your normal activities, by refraining from your selfish pursuits, and from making business deals. Then you will find joy in your relationship with the Lord. I will give you great prosperity and cause crops to grow on the land by given to your the, the land that I gave to your ancestor Jacob. Know for certain that the Lord has spoken. That's how chapter 58 ends. Chapter 59 goes on to say that God is not going to bless God's work not done in God's way. He, he gives this list of descriptions of, hey, if you want God's blessing, you're going to have to do it this way. But in the teaching team this week, we were really struck by this idea of God is continually calling us to wholeness. The invitation of God is to flourish as human beings. And then we see this combination of Sabbath, which is ultimately receiving. Sabbath is supposed to be the gift to us as a people. You know, back when I was a kid, right, we kind of recognized as a society. Like I said, we had blue laws. You couldn't open a business and TV was boring and there weren't any sports to go play and, and things like that. And, and in a way, that was good. That was an outward observ observance. But really what it is, Sabbath at its core, is humbling ourselves and quieting ourselves enough so that we receive. Throughout history, people had to work seven days. You know, it's easy for us in an industrial society to be able to mark the days as different, the work week, the weekend, but those are all relatively modern contrivances. For most of human history, if you didn't grow your food, you didn't eat. If you didn't take care of things that day, there wasn't, there wasn't enough for you. And the Sabbath given to people was to, was to cause people to break the idolatry of continual self-providing. I want to let that sit in for a minute. Sabbath is given to us to break the idolatry of thinking that it's up to me. That I earn. I provide. I'm the one. Me, 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 I, I. Now, this is not to say we don't work. We know we do. The great teacher and rabbi Abraham Herschel talks about how Sabbath is where the two worlds kind of collide. The world of heaven that's coming and the world of earth as it is. And that Sabbath is preparing us for the continual Sabbath of heaven with that. Look, we all have to work. Sabbath is not just giving up forever, right? I mean, most of us live our lives in this perpetual swinging wildly back and forth between this idea that, hey, I'm going to do it all. It's all up to me, man. 
just more effort. We talk about it just the try harder, give up cycle, right? We're just, this time we're going to get it. This time I'm going to give it enough. I'm going to be smart enough, strong enough, rich enough, whatever it is. I'm going to do it. And it works for a while. And then it doesn't. And then we're just like literally to hell with it. I give up. I quit trying. I'm done. Right? We give up. And that works for a while. And then we get hungry. We got to pay bills. We got to do something. And then we're like, okay, this time I got it. <laughs> you know, this time I've taken the right class or I've got with the right company or I've, you know, found the right formula, whatever it is. This time I got it. We try harder again. And we just go through this cycle of try harder and give up. When instead, when instead, y'all, we have been given Sabbath. We've been given seasons. We've been given a way to order our lives that recognizes that all that we have is a gift. Now, enjoying that and spreading that and, and sharing that takes effort. Yes, grace is never opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Sabbath teaches us that if life is a gift, what we have is a gift. But this is what it also teaches us about justice. Look, when we stood up and we prayed the Lord's Prayer, what did we pray? We prayed that God's kingdom, God's will, God's ways, God's presence, God's effective, the knowledge of God among us would be known, would be experienced, right? We invited God's presence here. Like we ought to, we ought to be wearing football pads or something when we pray that. <laughs> Crash helmets. Like to invite God's presence to come among us. What would that really do? How would that really transform this place? It's a radical revolutionary prayer. And in the same way, Sabbath, when we really practice it, when we really stop and recognize, wait a minute, I'm not the center of the universe. This isn't all about me. I've been given this grace, this life. All that I have is a gift, and that gift is not reserved just for me. That gift is for everyone, regardless of nationality or gender, skin color, sexual identity, race, economic status, ability, disability. But there is no one outside of that gift. If it's been given to me, it's been given to them. And when that starts to transform our thinking, when we can stop and be quiet long enough to receive from God, we realize that, you know what, I, I can't stand by and not let that be shared with other people. I can't just sit here and be content 
to be the only one that receives this. This is for everyone, everywhere. And so that motivates our justice. That motivates us to say no to systemic racism, to abuses, to all the things that oppress people, all the things that other people, all the things that deny people, all the things that set us up against people in a zero-sum game. We're no longer content to just say, well, I got mine. Let them get theirs. There may be no more offensive posture or attitude to God and to the gospel than that. Y'all, Sabbath invites us to understand that, to practice that, to understand that all of us receive and all of us are to be included in that. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.